Let's turn in our Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 this morning. All right. Acts chapter 2. So it turns out my battery was not dead, it was missing. And I realized prayer obviously wasn't working, so somebody thought, we'll just take his battery. And that'll be the end of that. But uh, we found another one, praise the Lord. And so and I don't think there was any malicious intent. <laughs> uh, ensemble practice on Monday night, and I'm thinking that maybe somebody's battery died and they grabbed mine real quick to replace theirs for their ear pack. So I'm, I'm not sure, I'm just guessing. But anyway, I, I just decided whoever's on the ensemble, I will not put them in charge of my living will if they're so quick to pull the plug. <laughs> Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Well, we've been in a series called The Local Church, and a couple weeks ago we looked at a glorious church from Ephesians chapter 5, kind of as an introductory sermon. Last week we talked about the passion of the church. We have a lot of passions in life, but our passion must first be Jesus Christ. I, I tell you what, if you get him to be the center of your life and, passion, and passionately focused upon him, everything else will go better. And uh, God will give you the desires of your heart when you desire to follow him. We've been, uh, I've been trying to help Noah Vart is uh, graduating from high school this year. And uh, exciting time for a young man. And he's praying about where to go to school, where to go to Bible college. And so this last week we had the pastor's conference at Faithway. And I said, Noah, why don't you... See if you can get a night off work and go with us. And I said, you'll get to hear the college kids sing and, and do different things. I said, it might be a blessing to you. You get to see another college and pray about it. And so he did, and he was pretty excited about that. And then when he got back, he uh, found out that uh, somebody said, we'd like to get Noah over to, to Lancaster, where Austin and, and Georgia went to school. And we'd like him to see that college. And uh, just incredible. And, and uh, so he went and told his mom, they said, they'll take care of it, pay the plane ticket, they'll put me in wherever. And, and, uh, and uh, mom started crying and just said, God's been so good to you. And he is good to us, all of us. So I take it, take it as a teachable moment, you know, and Noah, you know, when you give your life to serve God, God opens all kinds of doors, gives you things you never expected. And I, when I thought about that, Paul, I thought about you. I thought, I thought, you know, you worked for all those years, but never thought you'd get to go to mission trip to England or get to go to Israel. And God's been so good to us and just given us all these things because we just want to serve him and love him. And I encourage you, just count your many blessings. It's incredible what the Lord has done. Uh, we, we're good at counting our complaints. I know I am. This aches, this hurts, you know, this, uh, this didn't work out the way I was hoping and Count your blessings. It's amazing what God has given us. I'd like to speak to you this morning about the people, the people of the church. Acts chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 37. Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. You'll remember we tried this two weeks ago and I couldn't get past verse 37. But we're going to try to get through to the end today. Now when they were, sorry. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. 
With many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord... In the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Would would you do this with me? Let's read that last sentence together. Actually, read all of verse 47. Let's with one voice read it together. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. That's our goal. That's where we want to be. We want to have favor with all people to the point where they see something in us that they desire. Jesus Christ. That others might be saved. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time in the word of God. We pray that you'd bless it. May the spirit of God bless your word. May it not return void. May it speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord, we pray. We'll thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Friday night, I was asked to give a devotion at the Foundations class, and I just shared five reasons why I join a local church. This will build upon that in some ways, and that we'll talk about membership and why it's important to be a part of a local church. Because the church is the people. We are the people of the church. Over the years, I've been a member of a few different churches, not always uh, for the right reasons, I suppose. As a boy, I was saved and baptized here at Bethel Baptist Church and became a member here from the time I was five years old until I was 21 years old and graduated Bible college. They kind of had a, even for students that were away, we were still considered members. Then when I went to Bible college, I first thing I did was I joined a local church. I joined what was called the Baptist Temple of Springfield, Missouri. Dr. W. Dowell had started the church and been the pastor, and his son was now the pastor. And I remember Dr. Dowell preaching at banquets when I was a little boy here. And I thought, okay, that must be a good church. And I went there, but the main reason I joined the church was because I could walk there and I didn't have a car. And so I went there. As a matter of fact, I met my wife there at Baptist Temple. And then after, I guess we were there about a year and a half, and we got invited to a baptism. Uh, my wife's old youth pastor's son had gotten saved, and he was baptizing him at a little church out in the country called Hillside Baptist Church. And so we went that night, and instantly we fell in love with the church and realized that this is where God really wanted us. And I had joined a church just because it was convenient. And uh, not that I didn't get anything from the church. It was a blessing, and it was part of the programs there, the Awanas and bus ministry, and So I joined that time. My wife and I both were dating at the time. We joined Hillside Baptist Church and stayed there for the next three years. Still today, if we return to Texas and we're driving, we will stop and make a point to go there to the church. We'll go and visit Pastor and Mrs. Tolbert. And uh, just a great work. God has taken it from a church of 80 people. They have a 500-seat auditorium. And somebody said the most important thing about church planning is location, location, location. This is out in the middle of a corn pasture, out in the middle of nowhere. And God has just blessed that church, and it's growing and growing and growing and doing great things for God. And we're thankful for that. 
And then we went to Stony Creek, Ontario, and we joined the Ambassador Baptist Church, which later would become Faith Baptist Church. And we stayed there for 16 years. And we, we always thought wherever we go, it's important to be a joiner, to be a member, to get involved, to be a part of God's work through his local church. I say this today to, to let you know that I believe with all my heart that God's plan for this day and age is the local church. The Old Testament, it was the law. And he worked through the temple and the sacrifices and the synagogues locally. But in this day and age, it, was, it is the local church. That is God's plan. I believe that with all my heart. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible says Christ died for the church. Everywhere the apostle Paul went, he established churches. He sent Paul and Timothy, or sorry, he sent Timothy and Titus back to different places to strengthen those churches, to appoint elders and deacons and pastors and set up all those things that a church needs. That was their sole purpose. And so Christ died for the church. The Bible says this, that he is returning in Ephesians chapter 5, and it tells us that he might receive unto himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. That is God's desire, that we be a glorious church. And so I just want to spend a few moments today and help you or help me and reinforce some things. Maybe so I've already heard all this before a hundred times. The apostle Paul said this, for me to preach the same things unto you is not grievous, but necessary. We need to be reminded of some things every once in a while. And so let's take some time this morning. And perhaps you're here. I'm not here to browbeat anybody. I'm not here to push you into any decision. I just want to show you what the scripture says and let God deal with our hearts about this topic of being a, the people of the church. And so let's look, first of all, Acts chapter 2. I want you to see in verse 41, the membership, the membership of the local church, the membership of the local church. And I'll admit that this might be more teaching than preaching this morning, but the Bible says we need to be apt to teach as well the word of God. And I'm just relying upon the Holy Spirit of God to take this teaching and turning it into preaching that might affect our hearts as well. So the members of the, the membership of the local church. Verse 41 says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. The people had just heard a message from the apostle Peter, and it was on the day of Pentecost, and God's poured out his spirit. And Peter, who, by the way, already had the spirit of God, John 20, 20 says, Jesus breathed on his disciples, said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. But now the Holy Spirit came visually that it might empower the local church. And so now Peter stands on this day of Pentecost and he begins to preach uh, because they've been speaking in tongues and it was confusing people. And so he clears it up by explaining to them the prophecy of Joel. That in the last days men would speak in unknown tongues and this was a fulfillment of that prophecy. And so we know as a result of Peter's preaching, by the way, we are in the last days. We don't have to think about that, that when it says in latter day, last days, perilous times shall come. We've been in the last days for 2,000 years. In other words, this is the last period of time before Christ will return. And so we praise the Lord for that. We look forward to his soon appearing. And that's the blessed hope of the believer in Titus chapter 2. And it says they were pricked in their hearts as a result of the preaching. And they said, what shall we do? And Peter says, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And in verse 41, it says, they gladly received his word and were baptized. And so they accepted Christ. 
They received the word of God. And I want to suggest to you, this, first of all, this morning, that the membership of the local church, first of all, is a saved membership. You must be born again. Uh, listen, there would be no point whatsoever in going to church if you didn't know God and didn't know Christ. You say, well, I go to worship, and I go, and I'm hoping that the church will get me into heaven. And I, and I think because of the name over the door, uh, one day I can stand before God and say, I was a Baptist, I was a Presbyterian, I was a Methodist, whatever. Listen, if you don't have the name of Christ graven upon your heart, washed in the blood of the Lamb of God, you are not saved. They repented of their sins and they turned to Christ and they believed in the word of God. And so it was a saved membership. The scripture refers to in other places those who crept in. You'll remember Pastor Connor preached last Sunday night about the, the shepherd, the good shepherd. And in John chapter 10, the good shepherd is the door of the sheepfold. Because there's thieves and robbers that would seek in or sneak in to destroy. And the shepherd is there to protect us. You have to be saved to get in. And when it says that there's those who crept in, it implies they got in some other way. Now you say, are you, do you believe that everybody in the church is saved? That's a scary question, isn't it? No, I don't believe that. He said, what about the membership? Everybody that's a member of Bethel Baptist Church, you believe every one of them saved? No, I, I don't believe that. He say, why is that? I'm not up here judging you individually. I'm not doing that. I'm not looking at any one of you and saying, well, I don't think that guy's saved, but I, I think Tina might be saved. And Paul, I'm not so sure about him. No, I'm not, I'm not doing that. But here's just from experience what I've known over the years. At Ambassador Baptist Church, later Faith Baptist Church, every one of our Sunday school teachers over the years accepted Christ and were baptized again. Not in some emotional revival that took place, just over the periods of time, different people coming and saying, I don't know if I was ever saved. I've seen the same thing here. I remember my wife being a pastor's wife for 10 or 11 years and then saying, I don't believe I was ever truly saved. Wanda will tell you that she came to the altar in a meeting in the late 70s and it was a message about being a better parent. And somebody put her arm come up and she was saying, I want to be a better mom. And who doesn't want to be a better mom? I want to be a better mom. The deacon come up and put his arm around her and he said, well, pray this with me. And she prayed and he says, there, now you're saved. Forty years later, she'd been wrestling with it. Said, I never really had it right here. I was just, I just wanted to be a better mom. <laughs> I didn't know what it all meant at the time. Listen, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Listen, here, here's the thing. Some of us, we labor over whether we or not we should buy a car. Boy, we struggle. So, how, many, how many of you ladies have husbands that will go kick the tires on 47 cars before he settles on one? Yeah? I saw Ms. Bergsman kind of go, huh? <laughs> That's how we are. We labor over decisions. It's a lot of money. The eternal soul is at stake. Make sure you're saved. 
The church is made up of a saved membership. I want you to notice, secondly, uh, we notice in verse 42, a second thing about the membership of the local church, it is a submitted membership. I'm sorry, verse 41 as well. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. First of all, I want you to notice they submitted to the word. They submitted to the word of God. It says, then they that gladly received the word. You know, I remember years ago, a lady coming to our church, and she said, uh, she said, would you have a Bible? And I said, yes. I said, I, I can get you a Bible. And I went to the cupboard, and I come back, and she said, I hand her the Bible. She said, is that the same as mine? I said, well, I, I don't know. I'm not sure what kind of Bible you had. She says, well, mine scared me. She says, I started cutting out the things that I didn't like. And she says, I, and so she had a holy Bible, amen, W-H-O-L-L-Y. And so she's. I just cut things out that I didn't like because it scared me. I said, ma'am, if your Bible scared you, ours is going to really mess you up. That, that's our approach sometimes. When we hear the word of God, listen, it's not the Bible that's wrong, it's us. How many of you looked in a mirror this morning? Anybody look? Come on. Participate a little bit, all right? Wake up. Did you look in the mirror? I can tell the ones that didn't. I can tell you right now. How many of you liked what you saw when you looked in the mirror? Yeah, not very many. One young man down here. Boy, sometimes that morning thing, I got to tell you this, I wake up and not a hair out of place. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> sometimes we get up in the morning. I'll tell you, I used to have the long hair combed back, and in the morning it'd be like this. Wrinkles always show up more in the morning. Ladies, you know all about that. I don't know. Sometimes we don't like looking in God's word for the very same reason. We don't like what we see. It's a reflection of our heart. We need to learn to say, amen. Amen says, I agree with that. I'm in agreement. We read the word of God. Do you know what the Bible says? That Jesus' name is the amen and the true. He is the amen. He agrees with everything the Father has done. And we are to agree with everything he says that we are. And so it's not just a saved membership, it's a submitted membership. Submit ourselves to the word of God. And then I I say this in verse 41, they were submitted to the water. Baptism was important. The Bible says they gladly received his word, they submitted to the word, but now they're going to submit to baptism. Peter says, here's what you need to do, you need to be baptized. And they said, yes, let's do it. It wasn't something to think about or a decision to be made. It was was a matter of obedience to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Think about this. I don't think John the Baptist was wrong one iota when he said, you don't need to be baptized by me. I need to be baptized by you. I don't think he was wrong at all. You and I would do the same thing. If we were having a baptismal service and Jesus walked in, we'd say, no, Lord, I'm not worthy to baptize you. I'm not even worthy to undo your shoes. That's what John said. And yet Jesus said, thus it fulfills all righteousness. Let me ask you this. Was Jesus already right with God? You better believe he was. He was the perfect, holy, spotless lamb of God. This was the beloved son in whom God was all pleased. When Jesus said, I want to fulfill all righteousness, he meant I want to be right with God. And I want to be right with man. I will be the example. I will be baptized by water immersion. 
So they submitted to the word and they submitted to the water. It is a submitted membership. Number three, I want you to notice we're talking about the membership of the local church. It was a supportive membership. A supportive membership. They understood what they were trying to accomplish together. And so they supported the work of God. Notice what it says in verse 42. And as they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in what? Prayers. They supported one another prayerfully. They understood that if they were going to survive the persecution of the world, if they were going to evangelize the rest of the world in that day, they had to pray. I mentioned a couple weeks ago, that's why I didn't get past verse 37. They were pricked in their hearts. Something was stirring in their souls. And I preached a message I later would entitle, Something is Missing. Something is Missing. We need to be a people of prayer. We need to stoke that fire again. If we are going to do the work of God in this day and age, and we, we bemoan the fact, we bemoan the fact that things are getting worse and worse. Don't we? How many of you would say, honestly, and I, I'm not here to get political, I, I just, how many of you would honestly say, we can see our freedoms eroding? We can. How many of you are even, you know, don't raise your hand, but how many of you are even frustrated? I'm sick of this and I'm sick of that and government over and all these things. Can I tell you the answer is the same? Keep preaching Jesus. Keep praying. Keep pleading with God. Listen, these folks faced an uncertain uh, future. Many, many, many of them would give their lives in service of Jesus Christ, but they understood that it takes prayer. And so they supported, they were a supportive membership because of their prayer support. And then we also see their financial support, verse 44. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. They supported one another prayerfully and financially. Church was a family, took care of one another. I would dare say that if my child needed something, I'd be even willing to go into debt to help them. I don't, I'm not advocating debt. I don't like debt. I'm just saying if there was a medical emergency, if there was something that was serious, I, I would give almost everything I have to try to help my child. No questions asked. Don't worry about it. One day, God will take care of that bill. I'll, I'll pay it off somehow. But I want them to be healthy. Look around you. This is your family. I'm not asking you today to go out and sell all you have like they did and give. But I'm saying we ought to support one another. We ought to help one another. Charles Keene said this, Need is never allowed to exist for long in the midst of an obedient people. Let me say that again. The context right now, we're talking about helping one another financially or if there's a need or a burden or somebody's hungry, we feed them. Need is never allowed to exist for long in the midst of an obedient people. There's a lot of applications for that quote. Need would never allowed to be exist for long in the bus ministry in the midst of an obedient people, in Sunday school, anywhere else that God is working God will put people. It's a saved membership. It's a supportive membership. It's a submitted membership. 
In Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, we read that Paul is commending the church of Philippi because he said, for a long time, no man has communicated unto me. You say, well, that's kind of weird. Nobody talked to Paul. That's not what he's saying. If you read on, you'll find that he said they, they communicated, but you communicated it once and again to my need regarding financial support, taking care of a missionary. To communicate what Paul was saying is that you supported me. Financially, I'm thankful for the missionaries we have and the work that they do. But listen, they need the same thing. They need prayer. They need financial support. They need us. Then we see, fourthly, talking about the membership of the local church, a separated membership. A separated membership. Let me say this. We join a local church and we become accountable to the church. Now, we have to be very careful about the balance. The Bible says that the, the pastor or the shepherd is not to lord over God's heritage. Not to rule with an iron fist, but with love and mercy and try to lead. But we are still accountable. And I think accountability is a good thing. I remember in Bible college, I shared this little illustration with some the other night. I was a senior, and I was working in the cafeteria, and we were there about 5.30 in the morning getting breakfast on and uh, ready for those kids that would come in at 6.30. And there was another fellow there by the name of Wes, and Wes was also a senior, and he'd gotten married over the summer. There was a freshman came in, and it was just his first year, and he was complaining. He says, I, man, I don't know. All these rules here, he says, uh, he says, I, I was just a few minutes late for curfew last night, and I got, uh, they didn't give us demerits in Bible college, they gave us fines. He had a $5 fine for being late. He says, I, I, don't, I don't know. He says, we're adults, we're 18. If you're an adult, you wouldn't complain so much, right? But he's complaining and complaining and complaining, and I was a resident assistant. That's just a more masculine thing for dorm mom. That's what I was. And so I turned to Wes, and I said, Wes, I said, if tonight you go home and decide you want to go to the Walmart or the grocery store, I said, would you just run out without telling his wife's name was Toby? I said, would you run out without telling Toby? He says, no. He says, I, I'm accountable to my wife. I want her to know that I'm safe where I'm going. And so we said to the young man, we said, everybody's accountable. This is not about putting rules on you. This is if you're going to be late, you let somebody know because then if your parents call, we can say, oh, they had to work late tonight. It's just about being accountable. The local church gives us accountability. You see, why should I be accountable to the church? Listen to this. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He is to say, if Christ is the head of it, I need to be accountable to it. It's his organization, not mine. I belong to the church because I belong to Christ. And he is the head of the church. And we are accountable as husband and wife one to another. And so we are also accountable to Christ. But I want you to notice, secondly, the authority of the church. Why? And so you say, this is a separated membership? Yes. We live separated lives because we are accountable, one. And number two, because the church has authority. Our authority only comes from Jesus Christ. It is not extra-biblical authority. I, like you, have heard messages and sermons where, where a pastor will get up and say, well, we need to be doing this, this, and that, and he hasn't got a scripture anywhere in the world to back it up. And he just tells you this is what you will do. Wearing certain things or eating certain things or acting certain ways, and, and friends, that is not Bible. 
Listen, I have a hard enough time keeping these 2,000 pages. I don't need a Pharisee adding more burdens to my shoulders. If Christ is enough, so is his word. The church has authority, though, through the word of God. Authority. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, or sorry, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I gave you the wrong verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it is reported commonly, this is the church at Corinth, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication is not so mentioned as much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, and not have not rather mourned, but that, uh, that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily as absent in the body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. He's saying there is sin in your church, and ye are puffed up. You say, well, how does a church get puffed up about sin? Oh, aren't we a gracious church? We show so much grace that we allow a man or a woman to, or a woman to be running around with her father-in-law. We don't even bother with it. It's fine. We're, we're just all about grace. Today, there are churches that will say, well, we just love everybody, and so homosexuals come and teach Sunday school. It's an abomination to God. And by the way, there's no Matthew 18 in 1 Corinthians 5. Be very careful about that. We always say, well, church discipline, church discipline. No, no, no. He says, you ought to turn them over to Satan. You don't have to go to them two or three times and bring it. He says, you just put them out. That is open, overt sin. So there's accountability of the church, and there's the authority of the church. And it ought to help us to live a separated life unto God. Because we want to be right and we want to be clean. We want to be part of that glorious church without spot or wrinkle. That's the membership of the local church. Who are they? They're a submitted people, a separated people, a saved people, and a supportive people. I want you to notice, secondly, today, the mindset. The mindset of the local church. Look at verse 42, back in Acts chapter 2, in verse 42. The mind, in other words, let me ask you this. How should the people of God think once they are part of God's church? Now, I say that very carefully because I don't want anybody going home and saying, well, now he's going to tell us how to think. I'm not going to tell you how to think. The Bible ought to tell us how to think, though. Again, if the Bible says it, I ought to amen it. I ought to agree with it. I'm wrong. It's right every single time. It is the Word of God. And so, and so but what is our mindset as a local church? If he is the head of it, he can tell us which direction he wants us to go. What is our mindset? How should we think? And so notice what it says in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. First of all, I would say this. The mindset of the local church ought to be this. A focus on spiritual advancement. I believe without a doubt that every believer ought to be growing. You ought to be growing. You ought to be changing all the time. You need only look in the mirror to know that you have changed physically over the years. Isn't that right? How many of you have a little more gray hair than you used to have? A couple of wrinkles here and there. I tell everybody I had a full head of hair before I got married. It was true. 
We change. We grow older. We mature. We ought to mature spiritually as well. The Bible says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. The word continued there is a sense of it always went on. Well, I know what continued means. No, no, we don't. Sometimes we continue to a stop sign. Your GPS, your GPS, right? How many of you have a GPS? How many of you know the S stands for Satan? Those things will put you in a lake sometimes. They're terrible. The GPS will say, mine, mine is, has changed recently. It's got a different voice, and it starts, it's the Apple one, I guess, on the phone, and it'll say, continue to the next stop sign. A lot of us are like that in our spiritual walk. We continue to the stop sign. This word continue means continuously. Keep going, keep growing, keep learning. Continue steadfastly. There's an emphasis put on the word continue. Just keep learning, keep growing, keep knowing more. Keep reading your Bibles, keep praying. They continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. So there was a focus on spiritual advancement. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You say, when would I be ashamed? One day you'll stand before God. And he'll know if you've grown this much or this much or this much. He'll see it all over your life. Sometimes we grow a little bit, then we back off. It takes away our fire and our fervor for the Lord. The local church and the mindset of the local church is we want to grow. We want to focus on spiritual advancement. The second thing we see in verse 42 is they had a fellowship around spiritual agreement. A fellowship around spiritual agreement. It says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. The apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Now let me, let me say this. In Acts chapter 2, the apostles didn't have a whole lot of doctrine. Paul hadn't written the epistles yet. These, these were just new saved, newly saved people. Here's what they knew. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. Jesus has sent his Holy Spirit. And if I trust in Jesus Christ, his Spirit will come in and it will regenerate my life. And he'll never leave me nor forsake me. And I'll have the Spirit of God upon me. And this message is worth dying for. But they didn't know a whole lot. They didn't know about uh, the, 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 all the different types of the Lord's table, consubstantiation and transubstantiation, and whether we have closed or closed or open or nearly closed or nearly closed. And They didn't know about all that stuff that we fight about. They knew that Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary. They knew that his death on the cross was sufficient to pay the price for my sins. They knew that it was substitutionary. They knew that the blood atonement was necessary. And you say, what point are you trying to make? I'm trying to say this. There, there are some fundamentals of the faith that we, we agree on and we fellowship around. But there's a lot of things in this, in this word of Bible that I, I, I'm going to be honest, I just can't figure them out. I can't. Somebody said to me the other day, what are those, uh, those beasts in Revelation? Do you think they might be helicopters with missiles coming out of them and things like that? And I said, oh boy, I don't know. Those things flying around and causing havoc and the stingers in their tails. And I said, I don't know. God is big enough to make a big scorpion fly if he wants. I know, I know that. It could be, I don't know the answers to everything. 
But here's what I know. You can say, well, I believe it's going to be a scorpion. And somebody else can say, I can believe it's going to be a a helicopter. Somebody else can say, I can believe it's a fire-breathing dragon. And I can say this, I can love all three and not care one bit. Our fellowship is based around Jesus Christ and the shed blood and the atonement and the resurrection. Hey, listen, the fundamentals are still fundamental. Be careful that we don't make our fellowship based off things that are so far out in the weeds that don't even matter. Somebody might say, well, I think, I think when we sing music, we should only use quarter notes. I had a fellow tell me this and leave my church in Stony Creek. He says, music should not be in 3-4 time. Because 3-4 time is a waltz rhythm. I said, you ever think maybe God wrote a hymn before the waltz ever came along? No, no, no. 3-4 times a... Walterman, we sang three songs this morning in three, four time. You didn't even know it, did you? Some of you did. Because you tried to clap on one and three and there was no four and you went one, three. Oh, I got to get to one again. And so you were all messed up. Such silly things. Such silly things to divide our fellowship over. Can I, can I encourage you? I just want to leave this right here and I'll let you make the application. As a people of God, we are arguing over a whole bunch of things right now. I'm not just saying Bethel Baptist Church. I'm believing all across Canada, the United States, all around the world. We are arguing about a bunch of things that are going on in our world, in our politics right now, that have nothing to do with Scripture. It's hurting us. They say, oh, but it does. I can see prophecy unfulfilling. Praise the Lord. I'm going home. Look up for my redemption draweth nigh. Well, God said there'd be signs. And I'll agree with you. If you say that, well, this is happening, Pastor, and I saw this in the news, and maybe it's a sign the Lord, praise the Lord, I'm going to jump on that bandwagon. I like that. But I'm not going to break fellowship with a brother because they think something's different. They believe differently than I do. Listen, I, I, I just have a theory. I don't know if it's true. But I think God's going to stick some of our mansions right beside the people we didn't like the most on earth. You say, God would never, and God is not like that. God gave the Israelites quail till it came out their nose. That's what he said. He might just do the same with us. I don't know. What a God. That he would love all his children when we're running in all different directions. Like sheep scattered without a shepherd. I'm going to make you this promise. If you come to me with some earth-shaking news and say, Pastor, here's what I think about what's going on, I've decided I'm going to love you anyway. If you want to go to Tim's and get a coffee, that's wonderful. You're buying. (laughs) I'm just saying, my fellowship is way too important. And I'd be heartbroken to lose a friend over something silly. You make your choices, I'll make mine. And we'll love one another anyway. That's what the Bible says. A focus on spiritual advancement, a fellowship around spiritual agreement, the breaking of bread and prayers, it says. They had all things common. Verse 44. I'm almost out of time. But I want you to notice, thirdly, they had a family with a spiritual attitude. They were a family with a spiritual attitude. And all that believed were together and had all things common. 
We don't even need verse 45 to tell us what that means, but it says they sold all their possessions and gave to every man as they had need, but they were just all together and had all things common. Just loved one another. They were a family, and they had a spiritual attitude. I want to give you this thirdly because we're out of time. Number three, the mission of the local church. The mission of the local church, verse 46. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house to eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. That's where I want to get. People getting saved all the time. The mission of the local church revolves around this. It revolves around unity. An army has to fight on one front. A soldier cannot have his own agenda. And we are soldiers of Jesus Christ, it says in Ephesians. So the Bible says that they, first of all, they were united in person. Verse 46, they continued daily with one accord. One accord. I dare say that in that congregation of 3,000 people plus 120 that were already in the upper room, I dare say among a congregation of 3,120 people, there was a couple that said, Peter, I don't know. I don't know if that's the right way to handle that. But they were one accord. I'll support it. I imagine there was people that flat out disagreed. So, well, if I were the pastor, I'd do it this way. But they were still of one accord and they still supported it. There was people that got hurt. Well, they didn't ask me to be a part of it. How come they didn't ask me to to sing a solo at the graduation? Or they didn't ask me to be the lead speaker at that men's breakfast? There was people that got hurt from time to time. By the way, it always comes back to pride, doesn't it? But for the most part, this church was of one accord because they understood there was something bigger than them. There was a mission to be accomplished, the evangelization of a lost and dying world, the fact that eternal souls were hanging in the balance. They were united in person. They were united in praise. Verse 47, they were praising God. And then I want you to notice this. They were united in perception, having favor with all the people. They had a good testimony in the community. Here's the sad thing, and sometimes I think about this, 3,120 people. I don't, I don't know the actual number. I don't know that 3,000 was dead on. They were giving us a round number here, but I'm going to say 3,120. You would think that at least one of those gave the church a bad name. That's what happens in society today. One person goes out and has a bad testimony, and they say, well, I know that Bethel Baptist Church. The Bible says they had favor with all the people. And notice what happens when they were united in praise, they were united in person, they were united in perception. The Bible says the Lord added daily such as should be saved. God said, that's a healthy church and I can trust it. So I'm going to just keep putting more souls in there, more souls and more souls. Oh, they had their growing pains. You'll see in Acts chapter 6 that widows begin to say, well, we're neglected. So they brought in some deacons. And they begin to mold the ministry and see the church change and grow to meet the needs of these people, that, of this church that was growing lightning fast. <clears throat> Let me say this in closing. God's local church is his plan for this day and age. Could I encourage you to be a joiner? 
I likened it the other night to this. I, I could have been dating my wife for the last 30 years, but at some point we decided we were getting married. That we were all in. It was God's plan for our lives, and I'm so thankful I did. She begged me and begged me till I said yes. No. <laughs> but I'm thankful for my wife. The greatest treasure I have outside of salvation is what God has given me for a wife. You know what that's like, many of you. We, we've been talking lately about 58-year marriages and 63-year marriages, and those, those men will tell you the same thing. This is God's local church. And as husbands are to love their wives, Christ loved the church. Be a joiner. Be a part of it. And get involved. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Help us, we pray. Lord, I'm thankful for each one that's here today. And Lord, I know some are looking at us and weighing us and making decisions. Lord, perhaps some have come today and they said, you know, I've gone to church for many years, but I've never heard about membership or being a part of it. Or We just kind of went. And Lord, I understand. And that's why we teach what the Bible says. Lord, I pray you just guide us and direct us. Help us to do our very best to be pleasing to you in all that we do. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Here's the most important thing. Church membership doesn't mean a thing if you're not saved. The church is made up of a saved people. Is there one here today? Say, Pastor, I'm not sure. If I were to die, I might spend eternity apart from Christ in a place called hell because I've never trusted Jesus to save me. Is there one? Is there one? Maybe there's others that are seeking a place to, I'd love to meet with you. I'd love to take some time and hear your testimony and help you get plugged in at a local church. It's the heart's desire. Please feel free, contact me, talk, email, call, whatever. I'd be happy to sit down with you and talk to you about it. I think you would agree that being accountable to something is good gives us structure. We're never in a point in our lives where we're not accountable to somebody. If you live on an island all by yourself, you'll answer to God. God. 